listening to season two of the Your Brand, Your Story podcast, hosted by Megan Ingram, founder of digital agency, Ingram Digital Consulting. We're bringing on a unique selection of 16 diverse marketing guests in season two to tell their stories. We talk with brand leaders and agency leaders to freelancers and entrepreneurs, featuring voices from brands like Pearl Vision, Public.com, and nonprofits Teach for America and Salvation Army. This season is all about brand storytelling and how you can create connections, campaigns, and community through the power of stories. Sarah Townsend has been a freelance marketing copywriter for 20 plus years and is author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Survival Skills for Freelancers. In addition to using clever copy to help businesses to become more successful, she is on a mission to raise awareness of the importance of mental health and well-being for freelancers. She gives us her tips and myths about living your best freelance life and why mental health is so important. Hey, Sarah, how's, how's it going? Great to have you on today. Oh, hey, lovely to talk to you. Thank you. No problem. Um, so, you know, to kick things off, you know, you're a big advocate for mental health for freelancers, and I can't agree more about how important this issue is, especially when you see, you know, some of the things that have been going down with like high profile athletes like Naomi Osaka speaking out on the issue. Why is this so important to you? I think predominantly because as freelancers, we often don't prioritize our own mental health. And instead of the idea of having this kind of dream world of freedom and flexibility, which is the thing that pulls us into freelance life in the first place, what we actually end up doing is finding ourselves more stressed, more overwhelmed and closer to burnout than we did when we were employed. And the reason that that happens is because we don't we're not very good at setting boundaries. So boundaries are really key in this, I believe. And um, when you look around kind of to the wider world of employment, there are a lot of businesses and companies that are waking up to the importance of mental health and well-being with their employees. And they're starting to employ mental health first aiders and they're getting people trained up as mental health support um, staff who you can go to if you're having a tough time or you're really struggling with things. But as freelancers, we don't have the luxury of any of that support. So it's really important that we kind of represent for ourselves, as it were, in terms of really recognizing the importance of our own mental health and well-being and taking active steps to protect that. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. And like, I I constantly am always telling people unplugged, like do, you know, like do those those types of things when you start to see the signs so that you're giving yourself a break because otherwise you're not even producing your best work or you're not, you know, you're not giving yourself the best opportunity to be successful. Precisely. Because as freelancers, we are our business. And if we don't take care of, you know, if you don't take care of you, you have no business left. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so vital. It's, it's literally the difference between success and failure in, in small business. So kind of taking that a little step further, how can we as freelancers be better about prioritizing mental health and really taking the time to unplug when we, when we're seeing the signs? I think a lot of it comes down to often it's not just our clients who are pushing us really hard and driving us to kind of work all the hours, etc. Often, We go freelance because we have this special skill, this talent that we want to share with the world to help people. And we love what we're doing. So 
we often don't want to stop. We get in yeah. the zone and we're kind of writing away and we're kind of like, oh, I just want to finish this section of this website or just want to finish this project. And we kind of carry on and carry on while the energy is there. And then before you know it, you actually realize that you've been kind of living on adrenaline and you have nothing left to give. So it's, I think, very difficult to recognize the signs often before they appear like yeah. to, to kind of spot the early warning signs, because in my case, certainly that's when I'm at my most energetic and following yeah. the energy on the project. I'm doing the work that I love. I'm loving life. I'm loving my job, you know? And then I think, wow, hang on. I've not been prioritizing eating properly. Quite often I'll get to like 3.30 in the afternoon. And I'll think, oh, I'm not eating lunch. Yeah, I know. I've done similar. <laughs> And then quite often when I get really busy, I don't necessarily forget, but I really have to force myself to take a break for exercise and physical activity every day. I can't stress enough how important that is. And I always think it feels like a bit of a paradox because you're kind of like, oh, no, no, I'm too busy for exercise. But actually, when you least feel that you've got the time for it that's when you should really really make an effort take half an hour out to go for a swim or go for a bike ride or just have a walk around the block get some fresh air get those endorphins and those happy hormones swirling around your body and then come back to your desk and come back to your laptop and you are fired up you're um you're productive you're focused you feel good about yourself because you've built exercise into your day and you've done that physical activity and therefore you're kind of like oh hey you know I can smash the day whereas if you neglect the exercise you don't have any of the good hormones that's when you start to feel that you're a bit of a slave to your laptop and a bit of a slave to your clients. You're not setting boundaries properly. You're not remembering to take time to focus on you and also to focus on your business, which is equally important. And you have to make those things non-negotiables. A New York Times article cited a CDC study showing how stressed out young adults have become. And this is even more critical for freelancers. Freelancers have to manage and cope with a number of different stresses and have to be able to handle a bunch of different things, not only in terms of the work that they do, but also with the the business of the business, which sometimes for a lot of new time freelancers is the first time they're really doing this. So it's even more critical that you find ways to really help balance that and to help give yourself the best chance to be the most productive that you can be. And if you don't do that, it, that's when you start to get left behind and, and really kind of struggling to keep up, as it were. Now, you just hinted at some of the challenges that may prevent freelancers. Can you talk a little bit more about what are some of the, in, in your opinion, what are some of the key challenges that you've seen that prevent freelancers from prioritizing mental health the way they do with their clients? Um, I think there's an element. Well, first of all, a couple of things that the things that I've already touched on. So first of all, we often let our clients become our bosses rather than working on this kind of level playing field where your clients and you are working with this feeling of kind of mutual trust and respect. And um, they 
understand what your terms are and what your working hours are and what you will and won't do. So it's equally important, if not more so, to know what you won't do. Will you not work at the weekend? Will you not answer the phone at 10 o'clock at night? These things are all really important. And when you can get super clear on these things with your clients, then you're in a win-win situation because you've set out your your te- you've set out your terms you can then feel like okay i don't have this ongoing pressure that oh my god i've got to be checking my emails every fi- you know every 5 minutes yeah. um and and that's pulling you off task constantly your clients know what to expect so you've managed their expectations and that also when they know what you will and won't do, they are far less likely to chase you for things like, oh, you know, when can I expect that piece of work? Because you've already outlined it. You've already told them, okay, now from this stage, now you've paid your deposit, I've booked you in for next week and it's going to take 10 days to get that piece of work back to you. If you can be super clear on those terms and those processes I think a lot of freelancers kind of forget that they're actually running a business. They're not just a freelancer. It's really important that you recognize that you have to um, build in these strategies and processes and things that sort of sound dull, but they are what protects you. They're like the foundations around which you build your business. So when you can be really clear, then that stops your clients being bosses when you set boundaries for yourself, so for example, pay attention. When you know that you need to finish work at, you or you want to finish work at six every day. You know, you maybe started a little bit later, or perhaps you're someone who starts really early and likes to finish early, like four o'clock. If you can have something in your life that is some sort of a ritual or some sort of a routine that you do, so that you know work time is over, it sort of breaks your state. So you've gone from this is work, Sarah, and this is home, Sarah. It's kind of everything can merge into one so easily when we're working for ourselves, can't it? As a freelancer, no matter what sort of work from home or remote style that you decide upon, hybrid or not, it's important that you really get the most out of that workplace. According to a Stanford study conducted on 16,000 employees on over nine months of remote work, general employee productivity is up 13% while working remotely. Now, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel about why I believe in work remote or why I think it's a good work solution or it, it works best for me. What I will say is that there has been a lot of correlation to working remotely and having a better productivity. And as a freelancer, it is very important to find whatever that best fit is for you, whether it is a hybrid approach or whether it's I want to work in some sort of office or it's I work from my home office, whatever that style is, find something that works for you and, and try and mix it up a little bit. You know, find different ways because that really helps again, find that balance and find that, that place where you can really get the most out of your work day. A few last thoughts before we end this section on self-care and mental health. I just kind of want to leave you all with some mental health tips and how you can find some pretty simple ways to help maintain and take care of yourself while working remotely or not working remotely, however it is you choose to work. 
one, try to keep a normal routine, whatever that is. And maybe your normal is to just mix it up. Whatever that normal routine is for you, try to stick to that day in and day out. Try to get outside or even work outside if it's not too distraction. Really sunshine, fresh air, you know, working, you know, wherever you can outside for a short period of time. Those are all great ways, again, to keep balance, to keep your mood up, to keep your productivity high. Make sure, and believe me, I'm a big culprit of this, to take your weekends or days or days off and give yourself that unplugged time. I can't stress enough how important unplugging is to just really your overall mental state and making sure you don't get so bogged down with clients and appointments and, and all the various things that you have to do day in and day out. And then you know, I just want to give one last plug on the community aspect because I know we talk a lot about how one of the downfalls sometimes in freelancing is that we don't get to have that sense of community that we get at the workplace. So two ways that you can really help yourself. One, commit to some sort of like weekly meeting to connect with, you know, it doesn't have to be a coworker, a friend, you know, a family member, just find some way to talk about things that aren't work-related as part of your work week. And then, you know, obviously, if things are getting too overwhelming, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that everyone knows, please find ways, talk to your friends, talk to, get professional help, whatever it may be. Um, one resource that I think is absolutely awesome is Talkspace. And that is a great place if you haven't gone, go check out the website. Really, if you're feeling anything like that, you know you know your body better than anyone. Don't ignore it. Get help. Talk about it. You know, try to be as healthy as possible. Um, it's really, really important so that you can get the most out of your workday. Be your best self, and that you can really, you know, really excel in that in that freelance life. Now, I completely agree with everything you said, and very well said. I do want to talk a little bit uh, about your book, which uh, is an Amazon bestseller. For those of you who aren't aware, it's called Survival Skills for Freelancers. <laughs> talk a little bit about the inspiration behind the book and its core message to freelancers. Oh, okay. So I started my freelance career <laughs> when I was a 20-something-year-old woman, and I was in this position where I, was, I had become a mom. And I was being a parent for the first time and I was being a business owner for the first time. I didn't know I was being a business owner. I thought I was just a freelancer, but I knew nothing about running a business. And when you start out, you don't know what you don't know. So you can't ask people, you can't go for advice. I didn't know anybody who was freelance to begin with. There was no social media back then. So there was no kind of community that I could lean on. And, and get the support and the advice and the reassurance that I needed. So I also found that at the time, all the books that I read to kind of help me start a business were all felt like they were aimed at this kind of middle-aged um, man in a suit, which yeah. could not have been further from me. I had this kind of agency background and I'd worked in marketing and I felt like I was kind of young and cool and not cool at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I just couldn't find anything that felt like it spoke to me. So at the start of last year, I set out to write a book that would do just that. It would share my 20 plus years of experience as a freelancer 
um, the highs and lows, all the mistakes that I've made along the way so that I can empower others to become successful, but a lot more quickly and with a lot fewer mistakes than I made. So it's basically shortcutting your path to success. Yeah, giving you the shortcut. And um, what I wanted to do was bust what I see as being the eight myths of self-employment. Things like going solo doesn't mean going it alone. And that's kind of why community and connection is so very important. So, um, yeah, so I bust the eight myths and I wanted to provide a book that felt like a like advice from a trusted friend or just kind of a mentor or somebody has been there and done it and yeah got the scars to prove it (laughs) that's so awesome well obviously to listeners out there I highly encourage you to read the book and I don't want to spoil the book too much but how about you give me what you're I know you you mentioned you know you um you know some of the some of the myths right so give me maybe your top myth to getting freelance right yeah. Every time I do a podcast, I get asked this question. Every time I'm like, which one shall I pick today? <laughs> it's it's really difficult because it took me a fair while to, to narrow down what I thought the eight were going to be. So to actually pick one is like being asked to choose a favorite child. <laughs> I think something that is really, really important is accepting that you can't do it all. And actually trying to do everything for your business. And I'm talking sales, marketing, admin, accounts, IT, trying to be all the people and wear all the hats. It's the fast train to burnout. So we've talked a little bit about burnout already. So actually having the confidence to recognize the um, the things that you do in an average day, an average week as a freelancer, what does that look like? (laughs) The tasks that you repeatedly do within your business that A, are not your special skill. So they're they're not the thing that you love doing. Um, They're not, uh, so they're not the thing you get paid for. They're not your top skill. And they're not the thing that you enjoy. So, for example, take accounts. Like, who other than accountants likes doing accounts? That's a perfect thing to outsource. Those tasks that don't make you money, you don't enjoy, and that that's not the reason why you went freelance in the first place. So, if you could take a piece of paper and write down the tasks that you do in a week that are not your profitable activity, so i.e. anything that you're not getting paid for doing, And when you can highlight those tasks and see, you'll probably for starters be pretty shocked at just how many things there are that you hadn't realized you were doing day to day. But if you go through that list and you rank everything like naught to five, five is the things that you really hate doing and um, that are really time consuming and that um, you don't enjoy, don't make you money. The things that that score the highest, they're the things that you need to look to outsource quickest. And then when you outsource, you're kind of creating this a bit of a virtuous circle almost because you're starting to build up this trusted team of people who are all working for your business success. And they're all there to kind of help you and they've got the expertise that you don't have. And then it also frees you up all this additional time to focus on the work that you enjoy, to try to get more of that and therefore to try to earn more money. And then by the end of the week, when you find you've gone from doing 50% what you get paid for and what you love, and then 50% of 
the other stuff that comes along with running a business that you didn't even know you were going to have to do, you actually find yourself doing closer to 100% of your special skill that makes you money, the thing that you love doing. Then you get to the end of the week and you're like, oh, I've had a great week. I've worked for some brilliant clients. I've done my best work. Your clients are delighted with the work that you've done. You get to the end of the project and your clients will be happy to write you a testimonial. And then um, they'll also be happy to like refer you to other like-minded people. So the more you can outsource, the more it frees you up the time and the um, and the headspace to get more enjoyment from self-employment because you're doing more of what you love. Don't get so bogged down in the day-to-day and all the tedious tactical things that you forget to make time to pursue the projects that are near and dear to your heart. Pursuing freelance projects is so important for every freelancer out there to make sure that you are creating a stream of revenue, pursuing the projects that you love. And there's no one that can convince me that this is not good for all freelancers. I know, listen, hey, we have bills, bills, we have expenses. You know, you've got to hit your whatever that daily, that weekly revenue is for you. But find ways that you can get out there and, and talk to the people that you are really excited to talk about and find ways to really work on those types of projects. And, you know, it's as simple as, you know, thinking about it, how you would think about any new business and, and really applying that into your new business cycle, whatever your process might be. Believe me, we are most productive and happiest when we're working on projects that get us excited and motivated. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I agree with all those tips. I think that's, you know, especially because, you know, agreed, like it's, it's hard to find the time to focus on the things that you want to do. And when you're running a business, you get so caught up in having to do all these other things that sometimes it takes you away from the things that you're really passionate about and that you really mm-hmm. love to do. Mm, yeah. And, and and don't get me wrong, like sometimes there might be something, for example, if you're doing your own social media management, you might want to learn something like a, a, a new tool like Canva. You yeah. Master Canva so that you can create great graphics for your social media or, you know, other platforms are available. <laughs> um, but what, if there's something that you want to do, then that's great you know, go ahead, because actually learning new skills and developing as an individual is part of what takes your business to the next level anyway. But it's the things that you really don't enjoy and you know you're not good at. Get the experts in to do those things for you. So yeah, that that's myth two (laughs) of the book. And and that's, yeah, that's one of the really important things. So kind of talking through, I know we, we touched on some of the challenges Talk a little bit about some of the traps you find freelancers fall into frequently. Um, Yeah, good question. I guess it comes back to that thing of letting our clients be our bosses. So when you're employed and you have just one boss, um, that, that, you know, that is sort of, that's okay. But we go freelance because we love the idea of being our own boss. And particularly if you're like me and you're a bit of a perfectionist control freak, you love the idea of being in charge. But then if you're not careful, if you're not doing the things that we've talked about earlier on with getting really clear on your terms and your process and really communicating the value that you add to your clients, then you can really easily find that you have, say you have five clients, then instead of having one boss, you've got five bosses, 
because all your clients are telling you when they expect you to work and you know oh you know we'll 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 whatsapp you in the evening and we expect you to reply that's not what self-employment is all about you need to be able to set the terms and when you can get really clear on that then that's kind of where the value lies you don't want to have multiple mini bosses you want to remember that you are in charge you're the boss and um, and you can actually really have more fun and fulfillment as a freelancer when you remember those things. Um, other traps, I think going down the hustle route, like it's not about the hustle. It's not about like this sort of form of glorifying, oh my God, you know, it's a bank holiday weekend or uh, I can't afford to take time off. I'm working the whole weekend, including the bank holiday. I, I don't want to be doing that. I want to be in business for myself because I want to make good money, doing a fulfilling job, helping people out and actually being able to sort of supplement my lifestyle. I don't want my entire life to be my job. So try to avoid getting sucked into that kind of bravado of like, yeah, yeah, God, I'm so busy. I can't afford to do exercise. I can't afford to get up away from my desk and stretch out every hour. You know, <laughs> it's really important stuff because you, you, nobody can sit and focus for seven days a week, 10 hours a day, whatever it is. How can you possibly do your best work if you're not taking time to unplug? You're not recharging. You're not doing the things that feed your soul. You're not taking breaks and getting a different four walls around you, you know, going out and looking at the trees and looking at the sky and you can't possibly do your best work. So I think that's a big trap, feeling like you have to brag about how busy you are. Uh, yeah, no. And again, yeah, I, I think we all run into it from time to time. So with the last, you know, remaining bit of time here, I wanted to talk to, you know, people who maybe are considering a path in freelance or, you know, are just starting out some of the freelance fundamentals, so to, so to speak. If you're, let's just say you're packing a bag and you need to have three things in that bag and you're just starting out, what, what are those things that you really need uh, to be, become a freelancer and be successful at freelancing? This is such a good question. And it's so difficult to answer because there are so many things. And I'm going to be really cheeky. And I'm going to say freelance fundamental number one. And I'm not saying this because it makes me money because I make about six pounds on a copy. And believe me, I'm not going to even get basically <laughs> like a McDonald's for that. I want to really like, I think when I started off with writing my book, I was a little bit naive because I just wanted to write a book to help people. I didn't have an expensive course to sell on the back of it. I just want other people to be able to learn from my experience and the experience of a hundred other freelancers who I spoke to in the process. So invest in a copy of survival skills for freelancers, first and foremost. Um, it, it's really difficult to choose specific things. And this is why it's such a great question. I would say um, it really, really helps to have a cash reserve set up. So have some savings behind you, particularly if you're in employment now and you're thinking of going freelance, really, really important to siphon off savings as kind of an emergency fund, partly because it can take ages to get paid. We know this because we've been doing it for years. But when you're first setting out, I think you almost think, okay, well, I've had a conversation with somebody who's a potential client. You don't realize sometimes it can take two months, two years even for that client, that original conversation to actually turn into a paying client. 
it takes time. And when you've got that fund behind you, ideally three to six months living expenses as a minimum, it takes the pressure off because there's nothing worse than feeling desperate for work because people sense it and it it just, it doesn't go down well. It's far nicer and far more enjoyable when you actually feel like, okay, well, you know, I like the sound of this job. I feel like this is really a good fit with my business and and my skill set. And I'd love to help this client out with this problem. So if you've got that cash behind you, that kind of gives you the freedom and the flexibility to um, say no to the work that's not right for you. Um, And it also kind of keeps you covered when you, you have the kind of cash flow difficulty. So I would say um, the book, some cash. And um, I'd also say resilience is not something you're going to exactly put in a bag, is it? But let's be honest, when you put yourself in the firing line as a freelancer, you are up for potentially a fair amount of rejection. And you, yeah, I say in the book, when I first asked people on Twitter, what you needed in other people's opinions, what do you need to be a successful freelancer? I had a lot of people saying thick skin. Now I'm not thick skinned at all in really, really sensitive. And I, people were like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll get over it. But no, no, this is just me. It's just how I am. But I am resilient. I've learned how to deal with the knocks and um, the, the inevitable rejection and to just kind of make peace with it and to just say, okay, well, there's a piece of work that you were hoping to get. It went to someone else, but actually half the time it's a sort of a sign that it's not right for you and that something will quickly come along to replace it that is a much much better fit for your experience and the sort of work that you want to be doing um it kind of it, it you know it's one of those meant to be things so if you can learn how to be resilient again something that I talk about in the book sort of um four different strategies on how to become more resilient it's the good news about resilience is that it's something that you learn. So it's, um, it's like a muscle that bounce back ability that you can work on and you can grow. It's not something you either have or you don't have. It's not something you're born with or you're not born with. So that's the good news. Yeah, no, uh, I think those are, those are three great things and highly, you know, I would agree with all of them. Those are definitely important skills to have. You did touch a little bit on flexibility, which, you know, we haven't talked too much about today. And I do think is something that's very important. It's one of my personal, like, favorite benefits about being a freelancer and sort of that life is having the flexibility in so many different ways. Talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the biggest benefits to being a freelancer? Again, for people who maybe are on edge or just starting out and kind of why why they want to go down this road. Yeah, well, I think it comes back to that kind of the freelance, is it a myth? You know, we're all um, <laughs> we're all out there for this idea of the freedom, the flexibility. I think in a lot of cases, people think, oh, I'm just going to be a lady who lunches. I'm going to take my laptop, go and work in a, ca- in a cafe somewhere. And, um, you know, uh, after going and doing Pilates in the morning and that kind of thing. And when it works, it's brilliant because kind of sometimes that I feel like that is my lifestyle. I'll get up in the morning, I'll read for half an hour and, um, and then I'll start work. I'll go and take a break and do exercise for an hour. And then that puts me back on track. And I'm like going with a force because I've had my exercise and feeling good. I've got my endorphins. 
we talked about this earlier. So actually, when you can build this lifestyle that fits in with the things that you're passionate about and not just the work. So you get to do the, the work you love. You get to help people in the process um, using your special skill. But you also get to, you know, if you're a parent, you also get to be a parent and never miss the sports day. You never miss a, um, a school play. You never miss an award ceremony. You know, everything that's important for your kids and your family is important for you to be there. Maybe you've got elderly parents and you need to kind of spend some time caring for them. Maybe you just love getting out for long dog walks every day. It's that freedom, the flexibility and the idea of doing the thing that we love, making good money for doing that thing and working where, when and how you like. And when it works, it works brilliantly. And that's why the boundaries that I talk about in the book are so important because that's where we get lost. We love this idea. We have this idea. We sort of cherish. This is what we want. And then we lose sight of it and it kind of gets away from us. So you can, with the boundaries and the balance, you can bring that back and you, that that's the lifestyle that you can have. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, what, what's next for you this year? What's kind of outside of the book? What's on the roadmap? Oh gosh, this is a weird thing for me because I honestly just thought (laughs) I'd write a book and go back to the day job. But now I have clients contacting me and going, are you still doing copywriting? Because I I just saw that you're doing this mentoring (laughs) scheme and I just saw that you've done this talk for Enterprise Nation and I've just seen that you've done 50 podcasts in a year or whatever. So I I wasn't prepared for all this stuff that would come on the back of it, especially as a self-published author. Like I feel quite proud as an indie author to have kind of, to have achieved everything that I've achieved. And that's not something I say easily. I'm not someone who easily goes, yeah, well done me, pat on the back. I'm just not that person. I'm always like right onto the next thing. But actually... I love doing the podcast chats because it enables me to reach a completely new audience with the message about the well-being and the mental health and why it is so important. So the more people I can help through that, the better. Um, so I'm doing some more. I'm doing workshops now on like the mindset, for, the mindset for success. And I've got a couple of webinars that I do fairly regularly, quite often for university students, which is really important for me because my kids are 22 and 18. So university age kids. And if I can make a difference to the next generation, that for me is like phenomenal, really, really important. And then of course, on top of that, I'm doing the copywriting, but I'm just, I've had to learn to say no a lot more than I ever used to because I have less time to do the copywriting now. So I only take on the projects that I am really interested in taking on, which is nice. Yeah, I was going to say that's a, that's a nice thing to have, a nice uh, luxury to have to be able to go after the, the work that you really want to do. Absolutely. It's, the, it's oh. like the biggest, it's like the biggest um, privilege, isn't it? Really. Yeah, is. it really is. I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah. <laughs> to be able absolutely. to get to that place. Well, uh, where can listeners find you? Um, I'm quite active on social media. You can find me on Twitter. LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, probably the easiest way if you want to look me up is go to survivalskillsforfreelancers.com. That is the website for the book. So that will take you through to um, more information on the book, um, links to my social media, links to my copywriting website, and also how to buy the book on Amazon. Amazing. Well, definitely, if you haven't read it, please do and uh, go go and go find you on social. 
it was a pleasure having you on today. Really enjoyed chatting with you about all things freelance. And again, uh, you know, love, you know, love the book and, you know, everyone out there, please read it. Amazing. Absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks, Megan. No problem. Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Brand, Your Story podcast. Find us on social at The Data Outlier and our brand handle at Ingram Digital. To learn more about the podcast episode, go to www.yourbrandyourstorypodcast.com and continue the conversation or use the hashtag yourbrandyourstory.